message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Okay, so we have a look at God's Word together. Ripper thinks it's a good idea, so that's good. Uh, we will have a look at God's Word together. And if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to just uh, be, be grabbing it, uh, we'll open it together in a moment. But as a way of a, a, a prelude to this, my guess is that most of us, at this time of year, have got some hopes or dreams about the year ahead. I mean, you might even have some New Year's resolutions, if you're into that sort of thing, if you like those. If you have, if you have got some New Year's resolutions, how are you doing? Are they still going three days in? How are you doing with them? Whether you've got them or not, I would expect that most of us have got some hopes for the year ahead. We've got some dreams about what we want to see God do, maybe in our own lives, or in the life of our family, or in the life of the church, or in the community that we're part of. We might even have some plans. Well, I've even thought about it and thought, no, actually, these are some plans that we've got for the year ahead. But whilst you might have some thoughts and plans and hopes and dreams, the reality is that we don't actually know how the year's going to work out. Because things can change in just a moment. And so it's important for us, as we start this new year, as we enter 2016, that our security is not in our plans, is not in our hopes or dreams, is not in your diary or your financial projections, but rather your security is in something that cannot change. Or rather is in someone who doesn't (coughs) change. And that's what I want to point us to this morning. This morning I want to remind us of the faithfulness of God. Now the Bible has much to say about God's faithfulness, as you would expect perhaps. Some of it is explicit, i.e. the text talks about the faithfulness of God. So, for example, let me give you some illustrations here. Psalm 36, verse 5. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Lamentations 3, 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So there are lots of verses that we could look at that talk explicitly about the faithfulness of God. But in much of the Bible... In pretty much all the rest of it, it talks about God's faithfulness, perhaps not explicitly, but it's inferred in the text, it's inferred in the narrative. In what you read, you read stories of God's faithfulness. As you read through the Bible, and I guess many of you might be thinking this is maybe a year where you could read through the Bible, and there are various plans that you can do that, that will help you do that. You can get them on your phone or a tablet or uh, just in a, in a book, I believe. I believe they're still printed as well. But you can, you can, you know, you work your way through the Bible over the course of uh, a, a year, perhaps. 
And as you do that, you'll see time and time again God being faithful. Every page illustrates his faithfulness. And even when immediate circumstances of the individuals that you are looking at and reading about are challenging, God still remains faithful. And it was this truth that I felt wanted to underline this morning. Now, understanding this truth up front could save you from hours, maybe even days of pain. You need to understand up front that God is faithful. It's the sort of truth you need to know before you really need it. Does that make sense? It's the sort of thing you need to know and understand before you face a circumstance in your life where you need to prove it. It's it's a bit like, I guess, the best time to buy a plunger is when you don't need one. It's in advance, isn't it? So it's there, ready for the occasion when you do need one. This truth is like that. The time to know and understand this truth is before you need it. So that when you need it, you've got it there. You know it and you understand it. And so to help us, we're going to take some examples from the life of Abraham. Now there are lots of biblical characters we could have chosen for this exercise uh, but I've gone for Abraham. And quickly we can look at six things from the life of Abraham and see how they apply to us. And then to wrap it up and to finish, we've got a God story of him being faithful to a couple that we know and love here in Jubilee. So let's pray, and then we're going to open up God's word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God. Thank you that you always have been faithful, and you always will be faithful. And so Lord, we pray now that you might speak to us as we open up your word together. Holy Spirit, would you come and teach us? Would you come and apply it to our lives? Help us to understand what we read in order that you might feed us and do us good. We ask it please in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, so if you'd like to turn please to Genesis chapter 12. We'll start there. And we're just going to take a few verses from different points in the life of Abraham um, to illustrate what we're talking about here. This is not going to be a long message. Oh. Thanks, Abraham. I was waiting to see what the response was. I was waiting, it could be a, oh, it could be a hallelujah. Maybe some of you are unsure which way to go there. So it's not going to be a, a long message, but what I want us to do, if you could go away, I want us to point us towards the Lord and his faithfulness. Okay? So Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. At this point he's still called Abraham. The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And then the Lord makes some promises to Abraham. I'll make you into a great nation, I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. And so on. Do you notice here, right in verse 1 of chapter 12, as God calls Abraham, Abraham says yes to the Lord before he knew exactly what it was going to look like. He said yes to the Lord before he knew exactly where he was going. 
He didn't get a complete picture of what it would look like. He didn't get a map even. He just got a call. And you know, maybe if you, it reminds you of the New Testament. The disciples are pretty much the same. What did Jesus say to them? Follow me. And that's what they responded to. Just a follow me. And they did. Now if you're anything like me, some of you might be, some of you might be fortunate and not be, <laughs> but you like things planned out. You like things well structured and organised. You like things on a plan, in a diary, on a spreadsheet. You like to know what it's going to look like, how it's going to work out, how it's going to, you know, what the projections are, what the outcome might be. Abraham didn't get any of that. He just got to leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. That's what he got. And that was enough for him to say, yes. You see, for us, we, always don't, we don't always get to see the big picture. We don't always get to see what it will look like in the end. Actually, what we need to do is just be obedient to the next step. It's like learning to follow a sat-nav, isn't it? So I am of a generation, some of you won't believe this, but I am of a generation where sat-nav didn't exist when I grew up. Okay? There used to be things called maps. And you'd buy them from a garage. And there'd be the AA roadmap that would particularly be $6.99, but you'd pick it up for $1.99 in a good petrol station. And you'd use that to navigate your way around the country. And you sort of work out where you were going with these A roads and B roads, and you sort of plan the route, and you see what it would look, see what it would look like. And that's how you would get from point A to point B. These days, all you do is sort of t- tell your phone where you want to go, and it'll come up with a route for you. Or you might tap it into your sat nav in the car, and it'll plan the route for you. And all it gives you is the next step. It just says, in 500 yards, turn left. Well, at the roundabout, take the second exit. That's all it tells you. And I've had to learn, so I think, oh, but what about further on? What about where I'm going? I I just need to be obedient to the next step. This sounds familiar to the Christian life. Actually, God calls us to be obedient to the next step. Yes, he gives us hopes and dreams. Yes, he speaks to, about, speaks to us about what our life is to be like, what it's to count for, what are some of the things he's calling us to. But in fulfilling that, he calls us to be obedient to the next step. So friends, my question for you this morning is this, what's the next step that God has for you? What is the next step that God has for you this year? You see, he knows where you're heading. He knows what the outcome will look like. He knows what the big picture is like. He can see the big map, if you like. He's just asking you to be obedient to the next step. And you might feel that God has spoken to you about something, put a call on your life, given you hopes and dreams about what you might be involved in, what you might be giving yourself to. You think, that's where I'm going. That's what I'm heading for. That's your destination. In terms of how to get there, he just calls you to be obedient to the next step. So what is it for you? What is it for you this morning? Abraham said yes. Just with that, leave your country and go to the land I will show you. Are you saying yes to the Lord this morning? Okay. Genesis chapter 12 
verse 2. I will make you into... <laughs> it be a long preach, some of you are thinking he goes at this speed. <laughs> I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Wow. That's some promise, isn't it? God makes promises here to Abraham. But do you notice that they're not based on who Abraham is? They're based on who God is. God makes promises to him based on who God is. He wasn't making promises to Abraham based on his past successes, or his dedication, or his commitments. He wasn't even making promises to Abraham based on his potential. God's promises were solely based on who he is. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And guess what? Same is true now. God's promises are not based on how good you are. They're not based upon your potential or your obedience or lack of it. They're purely based on who God is. Because of his grace. Because of his great love. Because of his mercy. Because he has chosen you. They're based on who he is, not on who you are. That's good news, isn't it? Because it's about him, not about us. God's promises are based on who he is, not on who we are. Okay, let's start in Genesis 12. Jump on to verse 10 with me. So, Abraham sets out on his journey. Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Now if you go on here, you see that this is not a great episode in Abraham's life. He messes up here. But God, do you see, is still faithful. Now, this is just one example from Genesis 12. There are other examples we could have picked too. Not everything in Abraham's life he always did greater. There are other occasions where he made some poor choices. In fact, he made some pretty colossal mistakes. Some of them more than once. But listen to this. None of that changed God's faithfulness to him. None of it. Is it such good news? Because the reality is that most of us this year, well, all of us this year, will make some mistakes, make some poor choices. Some of them will have little consequence. Some of them may have huge consequence. But none of that changes who God is. None of that changes his faithfulness. And so what does it say in Scripture 1 John 1 verse 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This year, 
when we get it wrong, because we're all win at different points in different ways. Quickly come back to God. Quickly repent. Quickly confess sin. Deal with it and come back to the Lord. Because he is faithful. He loves to forgive. It's the parable of the lost son, isn't it? sure many of you would know it, as Jesus told it. When you get it wrong, when you sin, don't run away, rather come home. Nothing that Abraham did changed God's faithfulness. And actually nothing that you or I will do will change God's faithfulness either. Genesis 16, turn over a couple of pages or scroll or click or whatever you, what your preference is. Genesis 16, Verse 1. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. In this part of Abraham's life, he decided to take things into his own hands. Things aren't working out in the way that he hoped for, that he'd expected. He couldn't see it all coming together as God had promised. And so he tries to take things into his own hands and make it happen. Abraham got frustrated with lack of progress and tried to engineer things himself. But surprise, surprise, it didn't work. It failed. It was not what God had intended but did God give up on him? Did God turn his back on him and say, well, you've blown it now. There's no hope. I have to use somebody else. No. God remained faithful to Abraham, even in moments of very poor choices. I wonder how many times are you or I trying to make it happen rather than trust God? How often have we tried to engineer things rather than in a place of peace? Trust God and trust his faithfulness and what he said. This new year, God calls all of us to trust. To trust him. To believe him. To hold true to, to what he said. Genesis 18, verse 11. Abraham... And Sarah were, were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out, my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? If you know the story, you'll know how <coughs> Abraham and Sarah have these three visitors. And they uh, come and bring more promise to them and Sarah's response is, is here to laugh to herself thinking really yeah, she's looking at her body looking at Abraham thinking no chance basically we're well past it you know all these get up and go has got up and gone a long time ago how can it be how can it be fulfilled but you notice even when Sarah didn't believe the promise God remained faithful. 
Now, clearly there were times when Abraham doubted things. And this incident in the life of Sarah, we find her laughing at the very suggestion of what God was going to do. We looked at the subject of unbelief at the end of last year, didn't we? We described it as a rock that can get in the way of what God wants to do. And unbelief is fine if it's where you're starting from. Just don't stay there. The Bible encourages us to move on from that. And so as you read through the Bible, allow stories of God's faithfulness to stir and encourage your faith. And as you hear other people tell stories of God's faithfulness, and we will do in just a moment, allow that to encourage your faith as well. One more, Genesis 21. Verse 1. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. She became pregnant and brought a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son that Sarah bore him. God proved himself faithful, and the promise was fulfilled. Eventually, Sarah gives birth to Isaac, and the promise begins to be fulfilled. So when Isaac was born, Abraham was a hundred. When God had first called him, scripture tells us that he was 75. For those of you who struggle with maths, I have done the maths for you. There was 25 years between God first making a promise to him, and it's starting to be fulfilled. It wasn't fulfilled at that point. It's just at that point, Abraham could see how it might be beginning to be fulfilled. 25-year gap. Some of you, that's longer than you've lived. You're thinking, 25 years? Wow. Imagine those of you who are older. What were you doing 25 years ago? Where were you? What were you up to? What were your friends? Who were your friends? 25 years elapsed between God making a promise and Abraham starting to see it fulfilled. And even then, it's not complete. It's just the beginning of it. God, it seems, is often not in a hurry. We, on the other hand, often are. We live in a bit of a microwave culture, don't we? We want everything now, everything instantly. God said something then, so why is that not being fulfilled already? We're not very good at waiting. God seems as interested in the process as he is as the promise. Do you notice that sometimes? God is as interested in the process as he is in the promise. Because it's in the process that he gets to work in your life. It's in the process that he gets to make you more like Jesus. It's in the process that you learn to trust and believe in God's faithfulness. Even Jesus had 30 years of preparation before three years of public ministry. If we're honest, most of us would rather have it the other way around. That's not how God works. But fortunately, God is not like us. What he does do is to call us to trust him. So let's hear a story. I'm going to invite David and or Kat. I'm not quite sure how they can do this. And uh, they're going to share something of their experience recently of God's faithfulness to them. So 
Guys, if you want to come up. Hi there. Um, we really felt that it would be really important for at this time of the turn of the year to share with you guys what happened to us over this last 12 months. I'm sure you can understand the end of the story because you're here asleep on me. Um, but I just really want to share what happened in terms of getting here. So David and I got married in 2010. Um, and we always wanted kids. We always wanted a big family. And um, I was training as a junior doctor. And David very wisely said, you need to get into a proper training program before we can even think about trying. And so I was like, well, that's fine. I got into GP training, and I was like, that's fine, we can start having our children. Great time to have children, <coughs> um, because you can just extend your training as long as necessary. And there are some ladies who've been training for years and had three or four children <laughs> over the course of the time. Um, and in my mind, that was going to be brilliant. And um, we started to try, and nothing happened. Um, I tried a bit longer, and still nothing happened. Um, and my medical brain is not very helpful. In situations like this, not at all. Because you start to think about all the things that it might be, or the things that might go wrong. Um, and we saw our GP, and I had loads of blood tests, and I started, it started to become all encompassing this real desire to have children. Um, and I remember having a conversation with our GP who, was, who said, you know, the next step would be fertility treatment. Would you like to be referred to see a fertility specialist? And he's saying, no, this is just who all encompassing already and this would just make it worse. I don't think it's going to help you at all. Um, and but maybe that's something we might want, you know, further down the line. And um, we prayed lots and I cried lots and we cried with lots of people and we prayed with lots of people and nothing happened. <laughs> we went I don't know how many pregnancy tests were negative, but it was lots, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. And how many months I sat on the bed and cried and I was out. Um, and then January last year, um, God woke me up in the early hours of January the 1st and said, this is the year. And a bit, I so understand why Sarah laughed, because I did too. <laughs> and I was like, well, it's been more than three years of trying and nothing's happened. I'd love it to be true and I prayed that God would work through my unbelief, but actually I didn't believe that that would be the case for us. But something really odd happened <laughs> the next few days is that God started to build faith in me. Because suddenly st- people started to tell me about the stories of people who hadn't had had been struggling to get pregnant and all of a sudden had but because, you know, God ordained that was the right time. And as that happened and as people started to tell me faith stories <laughs> about things that happened to them, all of a sudden I started to feel faith growing me. That actually maybe this could happen. Um, and I came to a meeting a couple of weeks into January last year um, and actually I asked a couple of people if they would pray with me as Izzy and Lou whether they would pray with me whether they would pray that the unbelief I had that that would go and that we would see a pregnancy two weeks later I found out I was pregnant Cat's stolen most of the story. <laughs> That's not true at all. Um, so obviously at that point there was much excitement, but nothing was ever sure when you come to pregnancy. Um, things can go wrong at any moment, in a sense. Um, and so in almost our, our faith story started all again. Because we're like, okay, well we're now we're now pregnant. 
um, what happens next. And uh, in, in a sense, uh, part of that is because we've had friends that have um, gone to full term and had uh, had their uh, babies die, and so we we were like, okay, we've got this. There's, there's this promise. We know God's spoken to us. We we've, this has happened. We know that this is God. Um, but how do we trust God now that that this baby's here and starting to grow? Um, and um, around that time, um, the song called uh, No Longer Slaves, Bethel song, um, where it says, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God, um, yeah. was really very, very powerful for us. Uh, was Kat was playing it most of the time um, on YouTube, and uh, I eventually found it on Amazon Prime, and we were playing it all the time to each other um, and separately as well and the part of it that speaks to us a lot is uh, where it says you split the sea so I could walk right through it and all my fears were drowned in perfect love you rescued me so I could stand and sing I'm a child of God um, and that was basically uh, our song really for last year um, God we're going to trust you we're going to keep trusting you we're going to keep singing of your faithfulness um, we don't know where this is going to end up um, but we, we're going to trust you um, and um, we'd already as you do when you're thinking of having a family or some people do some people don't I suppose is have, have lists of names um, that um, we wanted to that we were going to choose from and we felt Elizabeth was 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 definitely one of them uh, and the top one um, and Elizabeth means um, God is my oath or promise of God um, oath of God or God is satisfaction um, so every time we say a name we're remembering that this is God's promise um, and that he's been faithful um, and continues to be faithful and I think um Matt Redman wrote a song about uh, 10,000 reasons um, and uh, obviously um, 10,000 is probably uh, <laughs> a good start uh, in terms of what God's done through us, in us over this last year specifically but over um, a lot longer than that really just learning to trust him and, and seek him and you know, lean on his faithfulness and remind ourselves of his faithfulness um, even in the midst of times that don't make any sense when you're when you're feeling God saying you know you're going to be a father you're going to be a mother people praying that over us all the time um, and we're like well that's that hasn't happened we can't see that happening um, but here we are um, so that's really I think what we wanted to share have you got anything else? I just wanted to say that um they keep telling, keep telling other people stories of God's faithfulness to you. Yeah, um, because actually, it's not that God's never been faithful to us. And the house we live in is an amazing testimony of the faithfulness of God, of, of, of stepping out and trusting Him. And actually, as we kept telling people the story, that kind of helped us. It helps it blesses other people, but actually, it builds something in you as well. Um, and that was really why we really wanted to share today, because actually, as we start, as we Habitually, to remind people of God's faithfulness to us, it does something in them. But actually, just thinking of you, perhaps to remind yourself of those things. And we've got lots of stories of God's faithfulness. But I really struggled to 
get those from my head and my memory into my heart and into mm-hmm. really believing that you know God's faithfulness in all these other things to mean that he could be faithful to us in having a baby um, and we're so thankful to him for her so thankful to him for her right thanks guys wondering why there wasn't much illustration in what I preached earlier. There's no better illustration than a real life example, is there? People that we know and love. Stories of God being faithful. And so however your circumstance might be, it might be that, it might be something different completely. I want to encourage you this year is a fresh opportunity for you to prove God's faithfulness. For him to demonstrate it to you and for you to be able to prove it. Maybe in a year's time, it could be you standing here saying, well, this year, God proved you as faithful in this. I wonder what might it be for you. I want to encourage us, friends, let's decide up front, right now, beginning of the new year, to trust God. To remind ourselves of his faithfulness and his goodness. Because he is good, isn't he? He really is. Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. He really is. Let's stand together. We're going to pray and worship. And we're going to finish our time together this morning by uh, sharing communion together. Uh, We're going to celebrate and remember what Jesus has done for us as we have uh, bread and wine. And if you know and love the Lord, then we're going to invite you to join us uh, for that. And uh, we'll explain just a moment how that's going to happen. Uh, but I'm going to pray, and then we're going to lead us uh, in a song as well, uh, as to, to help us to declare God's faithfulness and His goodness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a faithful God. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you are always good. And this morning, thank you for stories that we've heard of your goodness and faithfulness. Thank you that David and Kat can testify to your faithfulness and goodness to them. And Lord, I pray for each of us this morning that this year we would have our own stories of you being faithful. Our own stories of you being good. Our own stories of you um, fulfilling that which you promised to us. Lord, help us to keep trusting you. Help us to be those who stay close to you. Help us to be those who hear from you and believe what you've said. Thank you, Lord, for lessons that we can learn from Abraham and so many other characters from Scripture. Lord, this year, give us our own stories, we pray in Jesus' name. Sunday morning.